2: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: It's episode 84 for May 19th, 2011. On today's show, we are leaking the class list for woodworking in America, that is. We'll also share our picks for the best articles from the magazines, our favorite content from around the web, and any other news from the woodworking world and the Wood Talk Online forum. But before we get to all that, Matt, why don't you tell them how they can get in touch with us?
2: Uh, As always, there's a few different ways you can get a hold of us if you ever have a comment, question, or maybe a suggestion about something you've heard in today's show, or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. You can even Skype us at Wood Talk Online. Or you can check out our individual sites at com for myself thewoodwhisperer.com for Mark and renaissancewoodworker.com for Shannon and especially head on over the forum at woodtalkonline.com where you'll probably find one or all of us hanging around out there doing something because that's something we like to do is hang out there and do stuff (laughs) things stuff like that but anyways though speaking of doing stuff let's head into our first category here which is what's on the bench and as always Shannon why don't you take this one what do you have going on on your bench
0: Well, I'm still working on that tool cabinet, final project for my hand tool school semester one. And I got to tell you, I may be in over my head here. Um, (laughs) Always (laughs) something you want to hear from the instructor. Right, exactly. (laughs) You you guys ever had one of those projects? And it's not so much you know, can you build it? I know I can build it, but specifically as a podcaster, when you decide I'm going to film and, and you know, podcast this whole project and you get like halfway through and you're thinking, how am I ever going to get this done in like less than six months? Mm-hmm. How am I ever going to possibly compress this into four or five episodes? And, you know, I, I think that the issue is, is I put somewhat of a deadline on myself because I've got six month semesters. The idea being that I get the whole thing done by the end of the semester. Well, semester ended two weeks ago. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it's add to the fact that if I were, you know, if I were like Mark and just goofed off all day in my shop, I'd be okay.
1: (laughs) Farting around. It's called farting around. I
0: could could probably get it done, you know, but when you get like an hour at, at best, maybe an hour a day, maybe four hours on the weekend to build this whole huge cabinet, plus record it, Plus, get all that done inside, you know, a month and then add to that the fact that I'm building it entirely by hand. I'm thinking, what the hell was I thinking?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's called that's called Welcome to the World of Being Your Own Worst Enemy.
0: Yeah, it pretty much is <laughs> the stupidest thing I ever did. So, you know, I'm I'm pretty far along, much farther along than I actually have produced videos. I've got, you know, much 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 too much content, which is making it even harder to edit, but mm-hmm. it's not actually done yet. Um, I probably have maybe 20 more hours, 20 to 30 more hours of work and that doesn't include finish to get the thing done. Wow. Um, so you know, I I'm gonna I'm I'm purposely leaving it. It's going to be done and I'm going to put finish on it, but there's probably going to be a few other little embellishments that I put on my own later on, you know, things that I'm not going to cover in the school, like some inlay. I want to put some marquetry in the doors and, you know, we're just not there in the school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to take the tool cabinet to woodworking in America to put up um, in my Hansel school booth. So I do need to get it done. Yeah. (laughs) Plus I need to get the second semester started middle of June. So it's, it's a little, It's a little nuts. It's just one of those things where I will never build a project this big, probably again, (laughs) unless it's like the whole semester um, or the whole year. It's just it's it's way too much. Five carcasses and doors and nine drawers, um, a whole big French cleat assembly to hold it up, plus all the stuff that goes in it like to hang your planes, all those little things, you know, (laughs) that take like twice as long to build because you're just trying to figure out how I want to organize the tools and everything. So
2: it's a, it's, it's rough. So this is so funny because I'm so used to hearing about how like the student is coming to the instructor asking for an extension. Please give me an extension <laughs> on this one. And in this situation, the instructor is kind of like, "Please, just give me another extension on this." <laughs> when, when is the final going to be? Teach next week. Uh, next yeah. week. Uh, next week.
1: Yeah, <laughs> two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. You sound like a barricade here. Two weeks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Ambition can be a real killer sometimes. I've had that where I just, I, man, my ideas are just—they're so there. I'm gonna follow through with them yeah and then you get to that point where you're just like I want it done I don't care what it looks like it needs to end now yeah well you know what
1: and here's the thing though The, the thing that I love about it is it adds the dose of realism that I think people need to see a lot of times you buy a DVD and it's you know forty minutes long and you see this beautiful tool chest go together and boom it's done. It yeah. gives you unrealistic uh, perspective for the actual amount of real time that goes into making that thing. So something like this can be really a valuable lesson, you know, for the the hand tool school students. Yeah, this and definitely the disproves
2: any yeah. instructor. That's true. <laughs> this this definitely helps to put to rest the myth that it can be built in thirty minutes on a TV show.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, no kidding. Well, and speaking of taking forever on projects, I, I threw in another thing in the show notes. I'm actually building a Gramercy saw kit at the same time, mm-hmm. and I specifically put that in there for Matt because <laughs> you remember the breeze plane
2: deal yes. that Matt spent, what, two years building? Yeah, I think he got it done it was, last uh, week. Yeah, it was about 18 months, though, <laughs> but I mean if you – yeah, if you add up the hours, it was only like a weekend. <laughs> I bought the
0: Gramercy saw kit that I'm building. I bought it at Woodworking in America in the marketplace in 2009. Wow. <laughs> now granted it didn't ship until like january because i bought a saw vice at the same time and held the whole order until it was shipped so you know yeah this was october 2009 when i bought it i got it sometime in january of 2010 and if you guys have seen this bow saw kit it truly is a weekend project you know the <laughs> hardest part is turning your own handles you know so right. there's really no excuse for that and it's half half built and it's like on my lumber rack and the worst part is is <laughs> In semester two of of the school, we're we're introducing
2: cutting curves. It's like I better finish the bow saw.
0: Kids.
2: <laughs> so, Welcome to my world. You know, it's funny because I saw in on Tom Fidgen's unplugged workshop. Is that the one that he has? He anyway, has a couple of them. He has. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about the same exact bow saw, and one of the arms broke on his. And he was like, "Oh, it only took me just a short period of time to put together a brand new one and put the whole thing together." So as <laughs> soon as you started talking about that, I'm like, "Hmm." <laughs> yeah,
0: man. Hey. nice Which, by the way he might be at woodworking in america Oh, I think, um, interesting. yeah i know he um mark harrell's invited him to come down and share his booth with him i don't think tom is committed yet because it you know it is they those those border guards um when you cross the canadian border <laughs> are kind of rough um they don't like you bringing
1: yeah. over like you know what could be construed as weapons right like sharp exactly. blades and wow
0: Anyway, we've really gone off topic. So Mark or Matt, whatever your name is,
2: the guy in Michigan, um, can you uh, can you bring us back on task here? What's on your bench? Sure, no problem. What's going on on my bench is actually this is finally off my bench. Uh, I, I have some bookcases I've been building for a client, and I'm finally starting to wrap them up. I got sent back a little bit because not too long ago. Uh, Mother Nature decided that she was really pissed at me, apparently, and threw a very large limb right through our garage. Uh, it was the, it was one of those – you always hear about the Widowmaker, and this one could have easily been that. It was I, – I should post some pictures on this. My, my wife took the pictures, Sam, and was just – she was just completely freaking out when it happened. But this limb came straight down. It went through the roof, left a nice little hole. And it just kissed our car. I mean,
1: oh, man. the
2: rear view mirror of our car has what I refer to as it looks like the lightning bolt on Harry Potter's forehead. <laughs> and our car has the same exact thing. Now, other than that, there's not a single scratch. And I don't know how it happened because it was just hanging in there. So this is a very huge oak tree. The tree trimmers came in and I'm like, take it down. This thing's got to learn its lesson. This thing's coming down. We had these huge trunks that were sitting in our our front yard for the longest time. And all I kept thinking was they're solid. There's no rot from, you know, the whole entire length. And I'm like, I've got to get somebody out here to cut this because they were the perfect length for the type of furniture that I typically build. I mean, it was like six feet long at the absolute most. And the tree trunk was just huge. So I started to you know what um, kind of oak it is. It, it was definitely red oak. It, okay. It's I mean, it, it, it was funny because it's like of all the trees. I have to have the most generic tree in the world. <laughs> and all of I mean, all of the trees in our neighborhood are red oaks. Our old house, we used to have some really beautiful sugar maples. And I remember thinking, in fact, one came down uh, in a neighbor and it was like once it came down, you saw all the spalting in there. So it was already starting to, you know, I had like you could see where it was rotting anyways. But it was just this beautiful spalted maple. And this was like like really early into my woodworking so at that point i'm thinking oh i gotta grab this to hell with the ants (laughs) you
1: know and stuff like that
2: (laughs) but anyways though so i really started thinking about urban lumber but as a result of that little incident this is going to go back around to the the client's bookcases i got thrown backwards by it easily a good week to two weeks getting all that stuff taken care of for the garage we still have a hole we're waiting for the, the people to come out and take care of it for us um, but with the uh, the bookcases, finally, are starting to wrap up. The biggest problem I have with these is they're almost as tall as the ceiling in my basement. And, of course, getting out the door yeah. is where our air vents are. So <laughs> it's much shorter than, you know, the rest of the ceiling. So I've got to try and angle it just the right way to get it down, move it out, bring it up into the garage where I can finally put the finish on it, literally finish <laughs> and the one I'm having an issue with is they want a corner bookcase. They want it slightly rounded in the front. And, but they, it's so, um, uh, I don't even know, a simple design. But the problem is trying to get that proper support in that back corner for what they want because they want everything wide open. You know, so basically mm-hmm. it just has the two sides and the shelves are supported, you know, in the middle. Luckily, I've got them narrow enough. I, using the sagulator, I made sure that they were not going to sag <laughs> under too much of a load. Nice. But that corner one, I, I think I have the design down pad. I'm going to have to play with it a little bit, but I already warned them. I said to finish up the corner one, you're looking at maybe another month. <laughs> they were too thrilled with that. So I said two weeks um two weeks yeah there so is, that's two weeks, again. It's two weeks <laughs> two don't weeks. worry about it uh so that was pretty much it though that's cool. that's the, the main thing the the one thing that really killed me was that whole urban lumber issue i mean that was just like one of those oh man it was a killer to watch that stuff get cut up into firewood and taken yeah. away that was just oh, my stomach still hurts uh, too
1: bad it wasn't like you know bubinga or or something like that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I could have guy? a wenge tree in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that Michigan bubinga uh, stuff.
1: Is... What a disappointment! <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It was the Michigan mahogany. You no, know, it's no big deal. Nice. Muskegon to be specific. but <laughs> nice. well, hey, speaking so,
1: of uh, of mahogany, that that kind of reminds me of. Uh, I was trying to think what what did I actually do this past week, and <laughs> you spent um, about
2: four hundred, five hundred dollars. E- wasn't that about it?
1: Yeah, you know, I got a lot of crap for that too. Actually. <laughs> But uh, I put up a, a blog post about that for four hundred and eighty-three dollars, and that's that was pre-tax. I actually paid over five hundred when it was said and done. But anyway, uh, I picked up a bunch of uh, genuine mahogany, and it's you know really beautiful stock. It's the same stuff I used for uh, for the what do you called the trestle table build that I did a while right. back. And you know I love working with this stuff. It, it's just it's something that I can get locally for some reason, and uh, and I realize it's not the the most economical or environmentally friendly choice, but. I can't help myself sometimes.
0: You it. I, I got to stop you there because this environmentally friendly thing really annoys me. You All right. got Fiji mahogany, Talk about means it. it was grown on a <laughs> plantation, which is the most environmentally sustainable, renewable, and friendly thing you could possibly do. So – Back off eco-Nazis. Okay, well, and and I... This is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, no, and I totally agree
1: with you on that. I I will admit, though, the, the mahogany that I picked up locally, I don't know exactly what its origin is. I didn't ask. And I don't know for sure what they stock. It could very well just be Fiji mahogany. And I know the kits that we have with Bell Forest absolutely are Fiji mahogany.
0: Well, the thing is, is the mahogany market is so heavily regulated now um, through CITES, which is, uh, I can't remember the acronym, something to do with endangered species. Yeah. I mean, when we import lumber, I mean, there's so many checks and balances that go through specifically on mahogany. I mean, most imports, but the mahogany market was practically brought to its knees several years ago Mm -hmm. because of bans and things like that. So they're they're really – I can't say there's no way to get it. There's no legal way to get – mahogany that's not responsibly harvested.
1: Now do you think and, it's it's safe to say that an, uh, a reasonably good sized busy dealer that's doing a lot of business in in a certain, you know, city or area is is very unlikely that they're able to sustain doing something illegally like that that it probably is going to be from a sustainable source.
0: The only way they can possibly get away with it and this is if they're importing it directly. Yeah. Now they may come to somebody like like my company which you know, we <laughs> import legally. Let me just put that out there, (laughs) but you know, other distributors that are getting the wood and they're claiming that it's sustainable or claiming that it's FSC certified or whatever. So the local dealer just may not know any better, but there's no way to buy it in volume. That's, that's illegal um, because you can't get it into the port without having to provide documentation anymore. Okay. So it's just one of those things where, um, I opened a can of worms on Twitter today on my business account about composite versus um, tropical decking. You know, it's like all these people talk about how it's environmentally green and sustainable. And it's like, that's just BS. You know, this stuff actually does grow on trees and <laughs> it's mm, renewable. Yeah. And, and we've been regulated so heavily now that you just can't buy the stuff that that is irresponsibly harvested. Africa right. might be a different story because depending on where you're getting it from, that you can get a lot of stuff that slips through the cracks. But the South American, Central American, Stuff is it's it's all good and and everything like which, by the way, Bell Forest that stuff was awesome looking. They sent pictures of that. Kudos to the guys at Bell Forest because plantation grown lumber usually is a little sketchy. You know, it can look great one board and the next board can just be terrible because the just the way it's grown. They've obviously put a lot of time into sourcing good quality stuff, they probably culled out you know 90% of it to get to what they had. So, I mean, that that to me is a sign of a really good lumber dealer yeah. that can produce that kind of quality. I mean, obviously their stuff's good. Look at their stuff. It's awesome. So kudos to Bell Forest.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it. I've got a, a one of the rough kits on, on its way, and I, I really do want to hopefully have enough time to build two of these chairs. But uh, like you said, being your own worst enemy, uh, I may just wind up <laughs> doing one. But uh, I, I have the two the two lots of wood, so I'll be able to do a, a little direct comparison between them. But you know what? I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give Spellman a call and see if I could find out what their their source is for that material, just so that I could update people on it. But yeah, I mean the environmental issue is just one of those things where a lot of times everyone just has that knee jerk reaction that cutting back and not doing something must be better, you know, and, and without actually getting all the information, knowing the source, knowing what went into it, knowing whose economy it's actually supporting, things like that, you know, some people are misinformed. Um, yeah. You know, and I just try but, to stay out of it personally. I don't want to get involved it. You know, I mean, it's, it.
0: it's my job. So, yes, I, I probably know more about it than most folks, but I've done some research on it, and it's startling. Yeah. Like the replanting ratio that's required by law by some localities, um western red cedar there'll be more of it in 50 years than has ever been because the canadian government has at least a 10 to 1 replanting ratio every tree you cut down you have to plant 10 more wow and like they find the crap out of you if you don't do it and they're you know the canadian forest service is paying guys to literally walk around behind you and make sure you're planting it all so because of that they've turned western red cedar into basically a resource that cannot be used up right uh, now Famous last words, I suppose. But that type of stuff goes on all (laughs) over the place. Do they go around going, you got to plant 10 of those, eh? eh? 10 of those (laughs) over there, eh?
1: Did you plant 10 of those?
0: You're oh. a hoser, dude. You
1: only put a nine. <laughs> John Funk's going to kill me now. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, let's okay, uh, anyway. let's move on. Um, yeah, so that's what's going on for me. Not not all that exciting. We're just gearing up for the guild build. So right, let's you know, I, go ahead. I, I, go ahead.
2: I, I just need to. Okay, so this is Fiji Mahogany. That's, uh-huh. Is that correct? Coming from Bell Forest? Yes. Now, now that's funny because Bell Forest is up in the UP. So if it's coming from Fiji... Youper. Then it would have probably come in from the West Coast. So it's got away from the West Coast to uh the UP and then now it's gonna come back down to you in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they bit. shouldn't just call the guys to the dock and said, Listen, on your way over. <laughs> yeah, just drop
1: one off in Phoenix. Mark will pick it up. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, can
0: you imagine the the movement that wood has gone through from Fiji to the upper peninsula to Arizona? I
1: uh, can't even imagine. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's right. good. Well, Speaking of moving on, let's go to the forum. Moving on. Magazine roundup actually. <laughs> It's time to open
2: the magazine.
1: Uh, Shannon, you want to, you, you start off. You got a nice one there. You don't have to read it the way that I wrote it, but
0: (laughs) Mark has sabotaged the show notes. (laughs) He's trying to get me to say dirty words. (laughs) Okay. It's it's only funny
1: to us, unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Right. My magazine pick is from popular woodworking. Um, I know I pick from them a lot, but the secrets of the sector, that's uh, a Tulpan, Jim Tolpin's latest article, kind of a uh, an homage to his book, The New Traditional Woodworker. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool. It's, it's basically a, a proportional divider to allow you to very easily proportion things um, to build out your furniture. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Tolpin did a lecture on this at Woodworking in America, the design conference, I think, like yep, build we sat right tool. next to each other. On yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, I Mac kept looking at your notes. notes. <laughs> but I think it, it's when you, you read the article, it's really cool how to like every, from simple things like positioning a drawer pool in the middle of a drawer to um, you know getting the dimensions, the width and and the height and everything of a table. The one thing I'll say that is kind of they gloss over it. It's like you need to have an understanding of proportions first. You know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of language in the article saying, you know, typically the, the drawer pool is placed two thirds up from, you know, the bottom. Well, how do you know that? Well, that's just what typically is done. You know, so I think the average schmo doesn't know that your average table width is, you know, four sevenths height. And that type of stuff is thrown around in that in that article quite a bit. So I think it'll get a lot of people excited They go out in the building sector and they're like, OK, now what do I do? So it's almost like they skipped over one thing, and I know that's not really something you can teach. Just read George Walker's blog, I guess, to figure out proportions. So a little bit of the uh, the weak spot to that article, but I still think it's kind of a cool cool idea as a way to proportion your stuff and throw the ruler out the window. Cool. I like throwing
1: rulers out the window personally.
0: Yeah, especially on people.
1: Fun. Yes, <laughs> when people are walking by that I don't like. <laughs> Okay, I actually picked a, a one out of Popular Woodworking as well, and uh, this one, well, I had to because my picture was in the article, so, I mean, it's kind of obligatory, right?
2: <laughs> I thought this one sounded a little familiar.
1: <laughs> this is Craft uh, Classics in Just Five Feet from the June 2011 issue, and I this is one of those things like months ago, because obviously, you know, the uh, publication cycle, they, they plan way ahead of time. So months ago, I think I was asked the question from Schwartz about the books that I enjoy, and I didn't really even pay much attention to what it was for. I just thought it was something for the blog. I really didn't realize this was going to end up in in the actual magazine. But um, it actually is a really good resource when people start looking at uh, you know what books to buy and which ones which ones other people who've done something in this industry are would consider their favorites or must reads. And you know the list of people they have here is really great, but a fantastic. Uh, almost a reference for, for books that you might want to look to, to to sort of build your library over time and they have some specific recommendations just a couple of people uh, Kelly Mailer, Michael Dunbar, Roy Underhill uh, Peter Philansby, is that pronounced properly? Fallensby? Falansby?
0: Falansby? I think the, yeah, I think that's right uh, Chuck sure. Bender,
1: Adam Carabini, George Walker Jim Tolpin, Mark Adams, Bob Flexner uh, Tommy Mack, David Charlesworth and uh some skinny italian kid holding a camera and um
2: <laughs> so. that was my favorite picture so you're going along oh that guy's great that guy what the uh, hell is which one remember? of these is not
1: like the others but um yeah so it's a really good article check it out if you're looking to uh to bolster your woodworking library
0: in just five feet in just five feet because that's all I think most that's, of us have I
2: think that's supposed to be minutes but that's all right is it okay <laughs> no, I thought it was five feet, like if you had a five-foot-long <laughs> shelf. That's what I thought I as. actually
1: prefer that. I think that would be cool. So it is five minutes, huh?
2: I think, I don't know. Maybe well, it says, fight,
1: fight woodworking ignorance 15 minutes each day.
2: Maybe. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I think
1: it is five feet.
2: Yep, well, I hope they put yep, that shelf first, through the sagulator. Uh,
1: the first paragraph says, uh, 15 minutes a day from a list of books that fit on a five-foot-long shelf.
2: Okay, booyah, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I'm just going to shut up now.
1: All right, Matt, you're next.
2: All right. Well, uh, for me, this one came from the July 2011 uh, Wood magazine. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a neat little article, of course, being down in the basement, being the the home shop guy that's always struggling for space, such as trying to get those way too tall uh, bookcases out of my basement. I always look at benchtop tools as a possibility for saving me some space. And Wood did a pretty neat article called, Why Buy Big When Benchtop Will Do? Save some scratch and space by going smaller without sacrificing performance. Um, And I, I think this is a really neat article because they make some good points in here about which tools you could safely maybe go with a benchtop version versus the floor space, or floor model one, especially when you're kind of tight for space. But at the same time, they also happen to mention in the article that there are certain ones you absolutely do not want to go with a benchtop version and you're better off in the long run sticking with the stationary and making those work in your shop. I mean, for, for example, with that one, talking about the stationary, uh, table saw, bandsaw, and jointer. I mean, I think we all have to agree that those are tools that if you're going to have them Having the smaller one, obviously you can get stuff done. I started out with a, a bench top table saw, but having the the larger stationary one is really gonna make a difference down the road because there's so much more you can do with it. Yeah. But something like a drill press. I mean, I have I now have a floor model, but to be honest with you, the majority of the time, I got away with a lot of stuff with my old benchtop one. Mm-hmm. And the same with like a, a a thickness planer. Um I have my little lunchbox one and it accommodates majority of the projects that I'm doing. I, I very rarely have ever found myself wishing that I had a larger one for some you know a lot of the things. Now of course now that I've I think said that's that, un American. That's un it prob- American. It probably is. I, I should like I should take <laughs> that back. You know, go ahead and scratch this part and we'll just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah.
2: But anyways it's, it's 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 a neat a neat little article. It's only a couple pages long and for the for the, the person with limited space and you're start, start, starting to think, which tools should I you know, get Benchtop or which ones should I do? Because we hear that quite a bit. Which one should I go with? It's a neat little article to at least kick around which ones you might, you know, might really consider the Benchtop. Nice. Cool.
1: All right. Huh. Well, uh, woodtalkonline.com is our forum. And we like to pick a I've couple of our uh, – you've been there once or twice, literally. <laughs> and uh, we like to pick our favorite uh, posts that we found in the past week or two since the last show. Uh, Shannon, you want to hit us with the, the first one that you found?
0: Absolutely. Um, let's see here. James posted something about shop progression. He's talking about how he got started in hand tools and is looking to add some power tools. And he was wondering kind of what other people's shop progressions were. And I think it's, there's a good line of conversation in there. Um, I know I added my own two cents, but kind of there's, there's a couple that I kind of disagree with, like, you know, definitely buy this tool first and you know, they get into the whole conversation about buy your last tool first, which is kind of interesting to see rehashed. But yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of folks um, recommending. and Now, I'll, I'll be upfront and say I recommended this as well, but I didn't recommend it first, who recommends buying your tools according to the projects you're going to build. And I think that just can't be stated enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I think too many people are trying to build the shop first and build projects later. And Speaking from experience where I did a little bit of that, and granted, I inherited a bunch of tools, so I had a bunch of tools to start. Um, I built a couple of projects, then I bought some more tools, and then I think I got the tool buying bug and bought more tools, and now I find myself you know, later on realizing I don't need some of those tools. However, I think building projects has ta- helped me to identify kind of my own style, um, and now I know that I don't need some of those tools, but I actually had to buy them and use them before I realized I didn't need them anymore. That doesn't make any sense at all, but I think it's a good, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a good, follow my train of thought or not go go Shannon baby.
2: you have been with us far too long we have yeah. finally gotten into that brain <laughs> <We've>
1: melted <laughs> that brain of yours go there I definitely I got it I don't know about Matt <laughs> but I got it all right the one that I found was on Well, it was titled modern woodworkers and I wasn't really sure where it was going to go but I found it uh, pretty interesting reading Paul made a post in there about our um, modern woodworkers these days too dependent on plans uh, and I guess he's referencing a post from another forum that kind of blew up and uh, everybody was all up in arms about, I don't know, I didn't go to the other post, he didn't put a link to it so I haven't read it, but uh, he was basically raising the question of, um, you know, are, are most new woodworkers uh, pretty much dependent on plans, or, or can they ad lib and just kind of build things on their own? So there's a really interesting conversation because uh, obviously this isn't uh, you know just a you know black and white issue. You know there's a lot of uh, shades of gray in this. Some people like to start with a plan or maybe build their own plan. So technically, yes, they're working from a plan, but they're the ones who made it. You know, so so and and if you're building something, it's kind of hard if you're unless you're I don't know unless it's like a complete art piece. I think most times you do have some sort of a plan when it's all said and done, right? Because you had to, you had to make yeah. this thing and, and at least get the basic carcass or the, the basic uh, general structure down on paper and SketchUp, whatever. Um, so we all sort of do gravitate toward plans, but does that mean we're all uh, heavily dependent on plans? Like we can't build something without buying a set of plans? Um, so if you have an opinion on this type of thing, go in there and, uh, and uh, drop your thoughts in that post. It's, it's a, a really good one. Check it out. Let me say for
0: the record that that was what I wanted my topic to be, but to it.
2: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's that's good. That that's funny. That's funny. You two see, you're getting into that group thing. (laughs) That's funny, right there. That that
1: that is funny. All
2: right. right. Well, the the one I found was, and this is this is funny because it says crazy, so I knew that this was for me, and it was uh, (laughs) quarter-inch plywood. Am I crazy? In fact, I think this one just went up today, and it was. The one thing that caught my eye on this, and Jared put this up, so many of us run into this. When it comes to dealing with plywood, we fall into that old trap of it says quarter inch. What do you mean it's not quarter inch? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I... it seems like quarter inch plywood is the absolute monster of the three sizes because quarter inch, I mean, I, I have never had one even come close to being a quarter inch. It's always tiny. And Jared ends up saying in here that he he, he swears that he has like it, it ended up being one eighth of an inch. And he ordered it from a a dealer, I do believe, a a local lumber store. And he said he even ended up going over to the big box store and uh, pretty much ran into the same exact thing. So I'm sure it's not quite an eighth. It's probably a little bit more. But it's just it's one of these things that keeps coming up over and over. And I'm going to have a a moment of true confession here. This uh, uh, bookcase I was working on, I have the plywood. I thought it was – the Plywood I've gotten from my dealer in the past has been closer to the actual dimension that it said it was going to be, and I was even using one of those special plywood bits to uh, make a dado, and this stuff came in even just a little bit thinner than the plywood dado yep. um, bit used. Mm. So it's like one of those, you got to be kidding me. What the, I mean, I really felt cheated on that. Well, th- th- so,
1: not to interrupt you, but that's, that's something that oh, I found too, that the plywood bits even more like these days can't even be counted on to give you the proper amount of undersized uh, you know, groove that you need for these things. Well, even with a three quarter inch plywood most times. I, yeah. I mean, so I totally can sympathize with what he's talking about.
2: Yeah, I I almost felt like I needed to, like, go in and find some, like, extra veneer I have laying around someplace and put that on to try and beef it up to get it to fit in. Yeah, and then when I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is perfect because I really was having that moment where I thought the universe was kind of like, you know, hey, Matt, come over here. Poof, you know, get punched in the face or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really a pain. I mean, especially with those quarter inch back panels and stuff. You want to, you'd like to think you could just kind of buzz a, a either a router bit or two passes with your your uh, table saw blade or something just to to get that groove there. And no, you really need to custom size every one of those grooves and dados to make sure that that thing fits properly.
2: It is maddening. So, Jared, you're not crazy. Mm-mm. I might be a little, but that's hereditary.
1: <laughs> you can't help it. <laughs>
0: can't help
2: it.
1: All right, around the web, there are quite a few things going on. I've got a number of links. I've just, over the, the last couple of weeks, I've just dropped these in here, so I'll, I'll go very quickly. Uh, Silas Cope. I, I never know how to pronounce people's names, so I, I probably I need I to apologize say, ahead of time. That's the what we brought Shannon on. Yeah, exactly. The marquetry guy. So he uh, announced that he has a new website and uh, I don't care what what he's got on here. It's just the pictures. You know, I, don't, I go here to look at this dude's uh, marquetry work. Look at that. Uh, that uh, this fox guy knows, and hairs
2: and those fish before that one. You
1: uh, he, he, he just go to the gallery. He's got books and DVDs. I mean, I've seen a, a couple of his marquetry. Um, well, one of his marquetry DVDs and the guy's just an absolute maniac. When it comes to marquetry, fantastic stuff. So, this Oh my is, God,
2: look at that one. There's one where he's like bricking himself inside it, a thingy. Yeah, isn't that inside <laughs> a thingy? Inside a thingy.
1: I, I'm sure, you know what? I bet you that's what it's called too. Man bricking <laughs> self
0: inside thingy. Uh, that was the original title of Edgar Allan Poe's
2: novel. <laughs> bricking inside the thingy. There you go. That's why I was never an art history major. They, they basically <laughs> saw me coming and were like, no, we've already got enough weirdos. Get out. Right.
1: Uh, but anyway, so that's uh, good old Silas Kopp, whose stuff is just absolutely mind-boggling. You have to check that out. I've Also got a a notice from, in in my emails at some point from Woodworkers Journal, they have, I guess, maybe a newly organized page or maybe this page has always been there and they're just telling people about it now. Uh, But it's essentially all of their videos uh, in one place. I'll put the link, of course, in the show notes for this where you can just go through and there's a bunch of different topics and everything and they've got some nice videos up there that you may want to check out if you want to get your learning on. And I've got uh, two more here. Fine Woodworking announced a workshop planner. And if you've ever used Grizzly's workshop planner, you're kind of familiar with this. It's a little bit of a a drag and drop sort of system where you could build your own shop on a grid work of uh, one by one squares. Uh, You could zoom in, zoom out, drop in tools, drop in... uh, you know, the good thing about this is it's, it's more generic than Grizzly's. Uh, Grizzly stuff is really meant to have you buy their tools. Uh, so a lot of the stuff is specific to Grizzly tools and this is very generically set up. Uh, but the cool thing is, I, I don't know the details on it, but I did see a pop-up when I went to this page about a giveaway that they're doing. So you, you basically uh, design a shop and you are building your dream shop, and then by submitting it, I guess there's going to be a voting, and whoever makes the best shop winds up winning something. There's a, so it's part
2: of a yeah, contest cool. there. Yeah, you uh, win a $500 prize package is what they have on there. So That's, that's it? That's Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, that's not going to do much. That gives me one tool. I mean, when I'm looking <laughs> at a dream
1: shop planner, I'm thinking like, dude, give me my dream shop. Yeah. We're going to be able to help you to get that new door that you always wanted to have to yeah. enter the shop. A couple of rubber floor tiles for your dream <laughs> shop.
0: You could <laughs> buy <a> laminate floor.
1: <laughs> All right. And uh speaking of of winning stuff, uh Festool also has a sweepstakes going on right now at festoolsweepstakes.com and waiting for it to come up cuz I don't remember exactly what they're giving away. Uh T12 cordless dress Festool set. stuff? Yeah, it's going to be Festool stuff. I can uh, pretty much guarantee
2: that. And it'll uh, be that DeWalt track saw.
1: Oh wouldn't that be wouldn't that be just something? Uh and also a sis one box. And nobody can sell a box like Festool can sell a box, let me tell you. Uh, but you got a chance to win a drill there, and all they need is your uh, name and address so that they could bug you in the future, but small price to pay for a free drill.
2: They just gotta hang up on them if they call.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I got. Uh Shannon, you're up, buddy. Yeah, I found this post on um, Giant Cypress, uh, Wilbur Pan's blog. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Be Dr. becoming Pan. One of my favorite blogs, Dr. Pan. Um, this is a link to a YouTube video of uh, construction going on in some Japanese forest. And you just have to go watch it. It's If you've ever seen these kind of massive constructions that end up doing something, this ends up playing music. So I, I just say... Go watch it. Wow. The irony is the little twist at the end when you find out the video is actually an advertisement for something. Oh, so nice. uh, go <laughs> go to Wilbur's site and and check it out. It's just – it's really cool. I ended up sending it to my wife, the music teacher, because it it's woodworking in music. So nice, heck, yeah.
2: Cool. Sweet. All right. Well, I've got a couple up here myself. This first one it was actually a, a friend of my wife who uh, got a hold of me and said, you won't believe what I stumbled across, and I thought of you. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I hope this doesn't go back to that <laughs> Halloween party we had three years ago. Uh, but there's this uh, website, uh, alltop.com, and they happen to have a category. In fact, uh, we'll have a link in there. It's woodworking.alltop, A-L-L, top.com. And the neat thing about this is it's a, it's an aggregator is what it comes down to it. and But I, I think I found some more blog posts than I've ever found anywhere else. I think, Mark, you're in here. I think, Shannon, you're in here. Um They've got. Uh, I think it's exactly. time for a cease and desist. I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mention it, <laughs> yeah. But there's a, there's a whole bunch of neat things here. So if you ignore Mark's and maybe you ignore <laughs> Shannon's, <laughs> it, it's a neat way because like uh, some of the most recent blog posts that I know I've seen it updates every single day. So if it's one of those places where you want to discover some new blog posts or some new blogs or some new articles, whatever, nice. this is a pretty good one to check out. Um, so let's see, what else do we have? Now I'm all worried. I'm like, oh God, I hope they're not like stealing everything from you guys. <laughs> no, I've
1: heard of, uh, I've
2: heard of them before.
1: So I guess they're just doing, um, uh, RSS aggregation and, you know, dropping it all on one page.
2: Yeah. I mean, they have a ton of stuff because she's a furniture, uh, uh, like, office furniture person and there's tons of stuff in there for marketing it's it really it breaks down to like a million categories well not hey, that many what? probably over like 100
1: they can do that all day long as long as they're using the rss feed that contain the original links that's the way the internet right. is supposed to work if they're right. taking it and just surrounding it with ads and and you know scraping your content that that's a whole different story but no this yeah. this looks pretty good
2: yeah, That's it, where we I get, I get out the hose. That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what the heck is going on here? If I had to okay, rub so a rubber hose right now. All right.
2: <laughs> so the other one I have here is uh it links back backs to it <laughs> links back to uh Derrick Cohen's uh in the woodshop.com. Nice. And the neat thing is I think we talked about diamond paste on on a previous episode. Somebody had asked about some sharpening uh, things. Scary
1: sharp conversation we had, I think.
2: Yeah, and uh um this one basically Derek kind of he puts together some neat little projects here and there. And what he was using is this is this is a little bit into the recycling idea. He's taking an old hand plane, cut it into like a six inch links, I think it is, and then encases that in a box, fill some bondo on it, and essentially creates like a f- perfectly flat cast iron lapping plate for use with these diamond paste. And it's neat because it, it looks like like an old uh, Arkansas oil stone or something, but in wow. fact, it is a hand plane body that. Maybe you have one that is beyond repair or just you're looking for an excuse to buy a new one. So you break yours up for the heck of it. (laughs) You make these little boxes and they're perfectly flat and it it works great with, you know, the diamond paste. I just thought this was really neat for like one of those. I'm bored. I want to cut something. Let's make something cool.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs)
2: That's pretty cool. You
0: know, I used diamond paste once and when I went to the dentist, I had no tartar at all.
2: Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Really ultimate well. tartar control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shannon, leave the bad jokes to us. We <laughs> use you for the respectable stuff. Yeah, I we're we're I here for have the chore. Up, up my
0: badumcha sound
2: effect. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, so here's the here's really the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. We're going to talk a little bit about woodworking in America 2011 because that is coming up soon, friends. Uh, September 30th to October. Second is when that's going to occur, and it's kind of, I don't know, I looked at this class list, and I got to say, guys, I am really impressed, and I really hope I can make it this year, because (laughs) not to say that last year wasn't good. Last year was fantastic. I had a great time, but this one and there's some, some of these classes have me frothing at the mouth. I really, I really want to go. I mean, there's yeah, good they,
0: stuff. They do this every year. They're like crack dealers. They're I mean, they, they up the game. Better and better classes. Yeah.
1: Big time. Yeah. So uh, this one, you know, frankly, I think it promises to be the biggest and baddest yet. So uh, here's a quick list as fast as I can say them and as properly as I can pronounce them uh, a list of all the instructors that are going to be there. David Charlesworth, Roy Underhill, Charles Brock, Peter Flansby, uh, Ron Herman, J. Van Arsdale, Adam Carabini, Brian Boggs, Chuck Bender, Robin Lee, Thomas Lee Nielsen. You're not going to put those two next to each other because they might fight like two uh, beta fish. Um, <laughs> Jeff Headley, Steve Hamilton, Glenn Huey, Megan Fitzpatrick, Christopher Schwartz, Robert Lang, Ajax, Alexandre, and Steve Shaughnessy. So, I mean, that's a power pack group of people right there. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So now, Shannon, you have, uh, we saw the recent announcements here about your role in in being sort of the social media uh, arm of this whole event. So tell us what you're doing and uh, you've got some information for people here.
0: Sure. Well, I was approached by um, Megan a little while back. They were looking for somebody to be, you know, I don't know what to call it. Spokesperson's not really right. You know, Chris Schwarz called it embedded reporter. Uh, which I liked the the idea of that because it made me think of like Humvees and Kevlar vests, which they won't give me either one, which kind of ticks me <laughs> off. But the one thing I want to I want to be very clear about is this is um, I want lots of people to contribute. I mean, I I, I think it's a foregone conclusion that you guys are going to be posting stuff and putting up content and everything. Um, woodworking or excuse me, popular woodworking's intention is not to try to. Um, guide anything or have one specific person. Um, it's more of getting somebody from the community who can encourage other people to contribute and you can just kind of help them. Um, they admit to not quite understanding the social media space. Um, so they want the perspective of the conference from an attendee, which I think we've all done that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've done is kind of given me some some access things, uh, you know, from backend access to their site to be able to help aggregate things kind of like you do with safety week, Mark, right. um, you know, so one thing I'll say is that the call for, for content, if you're going to produce content, awesome you know, send me a link to it and I'll make sure that it goes up not only on my page and the woodworking in America section, but on the popular woodworking page. And they have, um, you know, let's talk SEO here. They've got a little bit of pull around the, on the interwebs. So having a, a popular woodworking link to you is always a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Certainly can help you increase your traffic. Um, not as much as having Mark Spagnuolo link to you, but that's, right. that's, a, different, that's a different story.
2: Wait, um, Who? Okay.
0: <laughs> who? Skinny Italian kid. That's right.
2: Oh that guy with the camera oh, that
0: guy. yeah, <laughs> the guy with the camera. <laughs> so I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be interviewing um, a lot. i'm I'm hoping to get as many of the presenters as I can. They're actually giving me a nice quiet little room where I can take people in a room and beat them with questions for a while. Um, so awesome. I, I'm really looking I'm looking for ideas from the community. I mean, that's what I've got I an want idea. this to be about. I've got okay. an
1: idea. I want you to take a little m p three like little audio recorder. And mm-hmm. every person you talk to, you have to get them to do a wood talk online spot.
0: I was totally thinking that. Yeah. Way to go! Yeah. We are like we're eye to eye.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. How great would I, that be? We'll just play one every show and rotate them.
0: And we yeah. Go. Yeah. and we may just play David Charlesworth over and over, over again, and because over he's again. got a cool accent. Either that or David Charlesworth and Charles Brock because they've got they both got cool accents. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, you know, I'm really excited. There's a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity to do some things. I was um, swapping emails with Megan today about a webcam. You know, obviously there are intellectual property things and speaking contracts. We can't put a webcam in the sessions. Although uh, I must say one of my very, very smart Hansel school members suggested the idea of putting up a subscription site to Woodworking in America to possibly allow people who can't make it. To you know, kind of like their shop class on demand. I doubt that's going to happen in 2011. Yeah, it, it might not even or, happen for
1: 2012. A lot but of an organization it, to get that to work.
0: Yeah, but still, but, that idea of putting like a webcam maybe in like a you know a lofty perch over the marketplace, I would tune in to see people say shop the marketplace. and spend money.
2: Heck yeah. Or have one like just roaming around on the floor and right. just like popping in and saying hi. Cause you'll see me like totally. No, listen, I will talk about your thing if you give me. Shannon, what are you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to
0: put one in the in the Olympic booth, um, although I think that might scare people away if they knew that. The internet was watching and you're supposed to go and cut dovetails. That's why but... you got to
1: hide it. You got to put it up in a corner somewhere where no one sees yeah, it.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, all I know is everybody, every organization that's put up a webcam, they get huge amounts of traffic. And this is not really about 2011. I mean, certainly it's going to be about showing what's going on in 2011 that people can't make it. But the long term, the, the long game here is encouraging more registrants for 2012, Right. frankly. So we want to encourage encourage a lot of this. What I really want to do is just have more like while the event is happening. Cause you know, all three of us have experienced this. You go there and there's so much going on. It's like, you take some notes, you take some audio recordings some video recordings and you edit it and you put something out maybe a week later, two weeks later or whatever. And it's not the same. So I know personally, I'm going to be doing as much live stuff as I can, whether it's, you know, I just got out of this lesson and I gave a little audio update to you know, you stream live from my iPhone or ideally my iPad, if I can get one in time, Um, stuff like that, that really kind of involves people in the conference. Um, And then more than anything, aggregating everything all into one spot. Um, So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get more interviews prior to the conference to kind of give these people an opportunity to talk about what they're going to teach and then maybe grab them during the conference to get their little wood talk online bumpers, but that's a different thing. So, you know, definitely a a call for ideas here. If anybody has something they specifically want to see, or if they have a really cool idea for something we can do during the conference, before the conference or whatever, um, I'm open to it. And um, to be very clear and um, Jeremy, the muddle headed woodworker, if you're listening, I am not being censored by popular woodworking. I'm, I'm not, you know, the official spokesperson so that everything that comes in my mouth is going to be pro-popular woodworking. Everything that you've heard from me before as a renaissance woodworker will not change, you know, and I think it it never occurred to me that that would be a concern for somebody. Um, But Jeremy sent me an email the other day saying, I hope that, you know, you're not going to, I don't know what the, what term he used. It wasn't sellout, but it was, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and I know that's not what he was implying. Jeremy's a good guy, but you know, I, I'm going to tell it like it is. And I was very clear with, with Chris and Megan on the phone last week, you know, am I allowed to say whatever I want to say? You know, is FNW media going to be concerned? And they're like, absolutely not, which is pretty cool. Cause in my, day job when i was working for a web agency that was something we really had to be concerned about when we were in social media campaigns was who has to approve it and you know what am i allowed to say and i'm basically given being given license to post you know on their um uh, on their wordpress blog or at least working with ajax to post on the wordpress blog i'm an admin on the facebook page so there's a lot that that i can do to kind of
2: keep it real if you will you know, one thing since um since I've gone to like all four years of this, the, there's always the one. You know like like even this was true last year with when Mark when you were there, and then with Shannon when you were in Chicago. There's always that one class that gets all the buzz. You know how mm-hmm. there, there's like almost yeah. like a, it's almost like the underdog class. Nobody expected it to happen, but suddenly people are walking out and are like, "You gotta go." That's one yeah. thing you, you definitely have to keep your ear open for that one to see what is the hot class that everybody has to make their way through you know because there's always there's always one it's just it's insane because it's usually a topic that you're like there's no way in the world that will ever (laughs) be popular Mm.
0: well and you know that's a great point the one thing I can say is um maybe I need to have like a big sign because I am not as quite as recognizable as 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 some of the speakers at this at this you know event so you know if you guys hear those things and and I mean you guys I mean both Mark and Matt, but anybody listening to this is going to be, come find me, tell me this. I'm only one person. I mean, that frankly freaks me out a little bit. I mean, there's so much to cover and the class list, which I know we need to get to is, is huge. There's yep. no way I'm going to be able to sit through a single class during its entirety. Plus, by the way, I have a hand tool school booth in the marketplace, which, um, hand tool school members, if you're listening and you want to take a stint to the hand tool school booth, email me and we can work a deal. Because, you know, that's there's the the irony here. They're giving me a booth in the marketplace and I'll never have time to be in it. So, you know, my wife is getting a crash course on hand tools right now so that she can run the booth.
2: Um, Another thing is with the uh, with the watch, like the hashtags and one more thing, uh, especially from last year, whatever you do don't have a camera set up at the bar right afterwards. That could get you in a lot of trouble. (laughs) That
1: would be bad. Yeah, that was bad last year. So, um, You know, the other thing is with conferences. I mean, any conference that I go to anymore these days, most people are constantly tweeting what they're seeing and what they're looking at. So Twitter, I think, is going to be a huge factor, uh, you know, and even more so than than paying attention to like the official WIA, uh, you know, Twitter account is to look for the hashtag that everybody's using. Um, right, which right. is easy enough for WIA, um, but you should be able to follow that. And man, I mean, if you do that, you're good, You're really not going to miss anything because anything that was worth mentioning or any buzz that gets built is going to be announced there. Um, yeah, right. so, so hopefully there's enough, you know, uh, tech savvy woodworkers uh, there this year to, to really make that, you know, step that up a little bit.
0: Well, I want to get some kind of verbiage in the registration material, just talking about, you know, utilization of hashtags and where to go. And if you're producing content, you know, follow these things as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and then I want to try to pull in an, um, an aggregate of the uh, the tweet stream using the hashtag as well. So there's, there's a lot of fun stuff that I think will show up. Um, there's a heck of a lot of work that needs to be done between now and October, but we'll get to that. So I, I threw this last little thing in. I've, I've got this idea for like a nice helmet mount or a chest mount for my iPhone so I can do point of view uh, <laughs> filming. So anybody who wants to design me some plans... For a chest mount or a helmet mount, please send it my way and I'll send you a free <laughs> hand tool school t-shirt.
2: So there you go. <laughs> I know so there's, there, there's some nice helmet cams out there that are inexpensive and might be a nice fun one. Of course, you'll be easily yeah. recognizable. Have oh, fun have fun Steve. wearing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you Don't
1: said get me wrong.
0: I won't be wandering through the marketplace. You said it, you I've might not be uh,
1: you were worrying about being recognizable. Um, yeah there I you think you just solved Don't your problem worry about that
0: one bit. <laughs> nice. here's your sign. there so, you go. <laughs> um so anyway let's get on to this class list. Um the first thing we'll say is there are a lot of classes and as much as we could probably read the whole thing off um Mark you have the best metaphor for this. Um what did you say something about being a kid.
1: And- oh, I said, I'm looking at this list and it reminds me of, you know, when I was a, a kid in Jersey listening to the radio in the morning on a snow day and hoping that, my, <laughs> you know, waiting for my school to be announced. And I'm just like, ugh, just a long list. It's not that the, the classes, there's nothing wrong with the classes, but it's a long list of classes. Yes. So I don't think we need to go through everything. Uh, here, I think picking our favorites, three of our favorites each, I think is probably going to be enough. But uh, yeah. we, we will allow you to then download the full list and you can check in <laughs> and, and read and uh, to your heart's content there.
2: Right. And I think it's and safe to say that between the three of us, the, the, the classes that each of us has picked, this is a good representation of that huge list. And you can only imagine from this point on what 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 else is going to be on there. Well, oh, yeah. You don't have to imagine. Right. Download the list. So
0: we'll have available for download the list of the classes as well as the list of the extracurricular activities. Um, I have a page drafted already on my site that's going to be published after this that also has a link to it as well as that I'll print it out. And there's a blog post waiting in queue in the Popular Woodworking site that should go up tomorrow. Um, So basically, we're all holding off for Wood Talk Online to break the news. So (laughs) you're welcome. Um, The... (laughs) Well, let me, let me just get started since I'm first on here. I picked, um, we each picked three classes and, you know, interestingly enough, I was a little surprised by the classes that immediately came to mind. Um, you know, obviously I'm a hand tool guy, I'm a period furniture guy, but the class that speaks to me the most is uh, Jay Van Arsdale is doing a class on making shoji, which I know nothing about it Mm -hmm. and to me that's what i want to get out of this conference you know i know i'd like to say a fair amount about period furniture and how it goes together i know nothing about shoji and they're so cool you know the the tiny intricate joinery and everything of shoji i think it'd be really cool to go to that class and kind of hear about it and how it gets put together um more in my idiom if you will is uh chuck bender my hero my mentor doing furniture good the bad and the ugly which anybody that has um, uh, actually, it was in that article, Mark, that you referenced the, uh-huh. the craft, whatever in five feet. Um, right. the uh, Fine points of furniture, the good, the bad and the ugly by Albert sack. Mm-hmm. Excellent book. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what, this is coming off of chuck is an amazing cabinet maker but the man is like the ultimate scholar when it comes to understanding period furniture Mm -hmm. he's like examined so many pieces and built so many pieces so he's really got a good eye for what separates the decent piece from the masterpiece i think that's going to be a blast and then um far and away probably one of my favorite speakers of the wias i've been to is adam carabini um he's just Really smart dude, really plans nothing, which I think is what makes his events very much like woke talk online. They're very magical because nothing is planned. Um, <laughs> he just knows a lot. He knows a lot about 18th century furniture, and he's doing a course called Nailed Furniture of the 18th Century, the Other Traditional Furniture Style. And I just think that with so much talk about you know high style furniture, the stuff that only the rich people could afford, it'd be really interesting to look at the furniture of the common Joe, Um as I was saying to Matt earlier, the Ikea furniture of the 18th century. Mm-hmm. What's the stuff that the normal people had in their house? And it was all nailed together. So I think that'll be really interesting. A very different take on things. I, I would you- just want to take
2: an Adam Carabini class just because he's like eight feet tall and wears buckle shoes. So that's that's <laughs> a lot of fun. Enough said. Oh, yeah, And knickers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Matt, what about you? All right. Well, my three. Uh, the first one up is uh, Steve Shannessy is doing one called the Contrarian Cabinet Maker. And what caught my eye about this is, well, just this last line in the description. Does it not strike anyone as contradictory that woodworkers are eager to learn SketchUp so they can head to the shop and build 18th century furniture using a lot of handwork? <laughs> so that, that to me right there is like, OK, I, I've got to go to that one. That sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> um, the next one up is uh, Ron Herman. And this one's Saw Sharpening Demystified. And I have to say that I, I'm looking forward to this because it's definitely talking about he's using his methods. They're so effective and straightforward that you, you'll you'll sharpen your own saws after a single demonstration. Now, last year, uh, Roy Underhill was doing one on crosscut and um, rip saw. But I, I attended it and he kind of showed it. But I, I felt like I walked away and didn't get the full Um, uh, knowledge, I think, that I I wanted from it. So it sounds more like maybe Ron Herman is going to maybe demonstrate a few more things. Uh, To be quite honest with you, Roy, kind of, I love the guy to death, but he he did a lot of uh, uh, more show demonstration. If anything, that last class was the one where I learned how to play the saw, if I remember right. Yeah, definitely. He's a showman. Yes, absolutely. And, and, And very, very obviously not tone deaf. Um, And then the third one is uh, a Chuck Bender, which is secret drawers and hidden compartments. Mm, That sounds cool. Yeah, it just that just sounds cool.
1: (laughs) You You got to go to that one. You can't miss it.
2: Exactly. So those are my three. And I have to admit that it it definitely it was it was hard to pick those three. There was a couple other ones I wanted in there. I wanted to pull the exception card and go, I have four more, but I'm not going to do that to you guys.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting is there is a second secret drawer class on the schedule as well. So, yeah, I saw that. You, you got to download the document to find out who it is, but it, I think that's that's pretty cool. There's been enough interest in secret compartments that there's actually two classes on it. So
2: I almost wanted to like take the second one just to find out if there's something secret secret that I don't know about or reckon, won't know about. I just want to know what the heck is everybody hiding? Yeah. What, are you, what are you putting in there? My true identity.
1: <laughs> if i got anything important, it's going in a fireproof safe.
2: <laughs> yeah, the last thing I'm going to do is put it in a wood a
0: secretary. Something that's going to go up in flames, you know. Really Something nicely. that's so
2: valuable it might be stolen itself. <laughs> yeah, no, it just be cut open with one of my saws down in the shop.
1: <laughs> yeah, a hidden drawer in a little box isn't very handy if they could just pick it up and walk off with the whole box. But uh, <laughs> anyway, all right, so for mine, I gave uh, Charles Brock a little bit of love here. I actually have his plans for the sculpted rocker and the Maloof dining chair. I think it is the smaller one, smaller form. And I really enjoyed watching the DVD. I had a I got a kick out of it and it's definitely something that's on my to-do list. But he's got a couple of classes. One is the sculpted rocker, which is just a review of uh, you know, the Maloof inspired form and discussing why certain things are done the way that they are and how it's done. He also has a class on sculpting by hand and power and this is something that I I've done quite a bit of and I really enjoy doing but it's something I just cannot get enough of. I I love, you know, using uh, the angle grinder to really dig into stuff. It's it's something for a person like me who's a very analytical sort of thinker. Um, I don't normally think in form, you know, free form ways. I don't really. I'm not. I don't consider myself all that creative of a person. So, uh, doing something like this really stresses a part of my brain that uh, doesn't come naturally to me. And that's that's one thing I get uh, excited by in woodworking is the stuff that I'm not good at. So, sculpting by hand and power I think is going to be a treat. And I also had one uh, from Jay Van Arsdale, uh, Japanese Joinery 101. And uh, that's just something I'm fascinated by. I mean, I think in terms of Western joinery most times and anytime I've seen Asian influenced Japanese or Chinese uh, joinery methods, it just blows my mind. So I could sit there and watch something like that all day long. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about that one. Um, but those Sweet. are my three.
0: You know, we, I got
2: to say, I'm excited to meet Charles Brock. He just seems like the coolest, friendliest guy.
1: Yeah, he seems really nice. <laughs>
2: well, you know, one, one more thing I think we need to talk about real quick is uh, this is the second year that they're introducing uh, more power tool classes or more classes that are oriented around power tools. So obviously, in the, in the first couple of years, everything was uh, hand tools. Well, except for the design thing, that didn't even have anything to do with tools at all, uh, but Um, it's really neat seeing them, you know, broaden the the topics that are coming in here. And I think it can only keep going up from, from there. This is, this is really exciting because again, it's drawing more people into it. So when you do download the list and you see the instructors and everything, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised.
0: And just a a note, um, there is further segregation this year of the power tools, just to keep the noise down. Basically. Um, I understand there were a few complaints about that last year. So Mm -hmm. that um, is there. There's, seeing they've heard these complaints and they're changing some of this some of the classes will actually be held in the marketplace as well in addition to like demos and things that the um what can we call the exhibitors the vendors and things are doing they're going to have some like right there kind of keeping it all close together so i think the marketplace will be really buzzing this year
2: well, as long as it's not like Chicago where they had the Amway uh, people going on next to the Brian Boggs <laughs> yeah, thing. That was bad. Uh, Again, a big <laughs> round of applause to Margaret for being salesperson of the year. I think that was fantastic.
0: Way to go, Margaret. <laughs> so uh, Matt mentioned earlier that there was always those few classes that had a lot of buzz. And, you know, as much as we try to keep ourselves to three, I have a few, two more that we'll probably we should list as don't miss um, Jeff Headley and Steve Hamilton in the design conference of 2009 did a casework class where they actually took apart and put together a piece of period furniture. They're back this year. They're doing the same thing. They've got two or three more pieces. That was an amazing class. You know, if you need to, if you want a better understanding of how casework and furniture goes together, they basically have an entire piece of furniture that is not glued together. And, um, the, Editors, popular woodworking editors, mention this on their blog, but these guys are back again. Uh, they make great stuff. That one's definitely a don't miss. And then a lot of buzz about the secrets of the rising dovetail that Roy Underhill did on his show some time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that is another class that Roy's actually going to teach you how to do that. And if you want, um, as we started recording this, I uploaded my little iPhone video that I took in 2009 of the Rising Dovetail, and it's on the Woodworking in America Facebook page. So if you don't know what a Rising Dovetail is, tune into the Woodworking in America Facebook page, and it's right there. Quick little 16-second video that will blow your mind.
2: Blow your mind. Nice. You know, that, that Jeff Headley one, um, they, I, I've got some footage from that, that 2009 conference, or the, yeah, the the design one. I've got some footage of that someplace. I should put that up. <laughs> that was day. great. Watching them try to put a, pu- a puzzle back together. No, this is the left. No, this is the right. The first 10 minutes was, how does this go together again? So yeah. it, was, it was
0: pretty cool. So um, I don't know. You guys want me to go into the extracurriculars? Uh, you know what? Very
1: quickly, just read the titles. It's not going to too much detail. We're over an hour already at um, this point.
0: They, they're they not doing the dinner um, like they've done in previous years. I don't think the food has been worth it. So they're doing uh, Friday night. There are um, three things going on um, through 17th Century Eyes with Peter um, It's Basically, Peter's going to be in a room talking about the 17th Century. Ask your questions if you're into that period. Um, that takes place at a bar somewhere. Um, how to save woodworking. Five views. Friday night at the Hofbrauhaus. This is going to be Robin Lee, Brian Boggs, Chuck Bender, Adam Carabini, and Christopher the Schwors talking about um, the, the state of the craft, basically. And, and we're seeing people closing their shops left and right. And what can we do to save woodworking? Definitely should be interesting to get those kind of, quote, celebrities in a room together. Um, there'll be some sparks flying, maybe, um, JPEG wars also on Friday night. This is something that I know Chris is particularly excited about, and we'll be, um, mentioning more of this on the blog soon. It's an opportunity to submit pictures of your furniture anonymously. And they'll be put up on the screen, and there'll be kind of an ongoing critique going on. Um, Count me out of that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well,
0: here's the thing. There will be be prizes. We'll be giving away prizes. Oh, count Um, me in. Never mind. We're trying. I don't know if this is for sure. I mentioned getting George Walker to kind of mediate the whole thing, which Adam King immediately jumped on that idea because I think he's ready to heckle Walker again so it um modern.
1: <laughs> you know i'm watching uh right now i'm looking on the twitter wood chat feed and i could have i think right now a couple minutes ago uh adam says so can modern de- wait what did he say so can modern design be defined or is it all subjective <laughs> he's he's in there causing the same <laughs> trouble again uh, ironically
0: yeah what's your adam problem kid. adam <laughs> so anyway th- there'll be something there'll be further news posted on this Just kind of a call to this i'm trying to nagle some giveaways and things like that to kind of give people the incentive to submit their pictures
1: yeah.
0: um moving on saturday night we've got three no two more things i think um, this one looks really interesting living on handwork with ron herman um it's basically ron's story the guy's kind of cool um, it's just he he knows so much and this is a guy that builds uh, houses entirely by hand, and you got to figure how can anyone make a living doing that. So I think that'll be interesting. And then for the more academic amongst you, the annual meeting of the Rubo Society with Roy Underhill and Don Williams at the Metropolitan Club on Saturday evening. That will be uh, with mm-hmm. Thurston, Thurston Howell and Lovey will both be there. <laughs> Love um i'm uh, for what the name probably says at all obviously many of you probably know that there's a translation of rubo's um uh, what is it le menuisier is being translated apparently it's very close to being done and roy and don who speak the ancient french fluently will be giving an update on it and talking about uh, monsieur rubo So those are the extracurriculars, lots of fun to be had by all.
2: Um, I don't think I'll be attending that one. I don't speak French.
0: Mm. (laughs) I understand that our our friend Alan will be having a barbecue at his house again, too. So we should probably add that to the list. Nice.
1: That was great last year. Alan was an incredible host. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised how many people we fit in his house, actually.
2: (laughs) I was was starting to worry about that duck. Yeah, the duck was uh,
1: starting (laughs) to sag a little bit in the middle. And uh, yeah, he he was definitely a very gracious host. That was very cool of him. Uh, well, that actually, I think, should wrap it up for us at this point. We do have some really great stuff that I wanted to get to, so we're going to have to do another episode here, guys, really soon because we've got a really compelling email to talk about, a common task quiz, the poll of the week, and iTunes reviews. We're going to skip all that in the interest of time, and uh, <laughs> maybe we'll we'll do, I don't know, maybe we'll do a short uh, a short show early next week or something like that. We'll just bust another one out.
0: Yeah, we're sounds probably good. due for one because, yeah. uh, you know, we were going to do one a couple weeks ago, I think, and Mark, you were sick. Yeah, we're... oh,
1: dude, this cold was just <laughs> awful. I mean, I actually felt better, like, quickly, but the uh, the sinus leftovers of this were lasting forever, and I'm still a little bit nasally from it. But anyway, enough about my problems. Matt, you want to give them uh, the contact info, and we'll get the heck out of here.
2: All right, that sounds good. If you want to email us, of course, you can do that at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at six two three two four to 5180 You can Skype us at Wood Talk Online or of course head on over to our individual sites at Matt's the woodwhispercom TheWoodWhisperer.com and of course RenaissanceWoodworker.com and don't forget to pop on over to the forum at WoodTalkOnline.com and that's the best way to get a hold of us folks so choose one don't use all of them. Okay, use all of them. Choose, well, use choose, choose wisely. <laughs> all right.
1: Coin, whatever. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight. It's always fun. And may all of your dados be perfectly sized.
2: Wow. I, I have was that elegant or what, right? Yeah, I mean that, that was, was good. Nice. Yeah. Except <laughs> a quarter
1: incher.
0: Garth, that was a haiku. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Woodtalk Talk Online is a community-supported show and you can help out for as little as $2 a month. Donations aren't required, but they are appreciated. If you'd like to help out, head to woodtalkonline.com and click one of the donation buttons in the right column. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support.